This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. The environment and the young. Disaster scenarios based on the environment are all around us. This collection of three articles from www.returntoorder.org examine the young people who have become the messengers of the movement. The first article is about Greta Thunberg, the Swedish teenager who has become the face of the movement. The second article examines the reasons that the media present young environmentalists so prominently. The third article examines the role that the education system has played in producing a mindset that prepares the young to become the eco-warriors that are so prized by the left. And now, how Greta Thunberg went from unknown teenager to eco-prophetess by Edwin Benson. The world is abuzz with the 17-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg. Within the last year, she has addressed the United Nations, become Time Magazine's Person of the Year, spoken to world leaders at Davos for the second year in a row, and may receive the Nobel Peace Prize. The Greta phenomenon is puzzling. Why her? How can a lapsed high school student be accorded the status of an internationally recognized expert on a topic so complicated as the global climate? Is there a shortage of opinionated teenagers? Hardly. There are tens of thousands of high school debaters that could be just as effective. One of them could live in many listeners' homes. This article will examine the four achievements as a way of exploring the path that this young woman took to become a media sensation. The United Nations, September 23, 2019. Quote, You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words, and yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can do is talk about money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Unquote. For many, their first exposure to Miss Thunberg came with these words, spoken at a summit hosted by the United Nations. With all of the indignation of a teenager whose parents confiscated her cell phone, she indicted the entire world. The film of her speech displays the defiance that shoots from her eyes. The global media brought her rage into our homes. The globalists signaled their approval. Typical was The Guardian. Quote, as the summit spooled through about 60 speeches from national representatives, it became clear that Thunberg's forecast was prescient, unquote. Perhaps the key term in the Guardian's assessment is the word prescient. Webster's defines that as possessing either divine omniscience or human anticipation of the course of events. Can this Thunberg legitimately claim either? So far, ecosystems have not collapsed, nor has the world seen mass extinction. The world population is growing, and food sources are more plentiful. If she is predicting the future, there is little hard evidence for it. There is no prescience in convincing people of what they want to believe. Person of the Year, December 23, 2019. Quote, Greta Thunberg sits in silence in the cabin of a boat that will take her across the Atlantic Ocean. For a moment, it's as if Thunberg were the eye of a hurricane, a pool of resolve at the center of swirling chaos. In here, she speaks quietly. Out there, the entire natural world seems to amplify her small voice, screaming along with her, unquote. So began the article with which Time anointed Greta Thunberg as Person of the Year. 
It then gives her qualifications for their accolades, quote, transforming millions of vague, middle-of-the-night anxieties into a worldwide movement calling for urgent change, unquote. Nowhere does the article prove its contention. It never mentions those whose minds she changed. It does list the groups to whom she addressed her shrill and shallow opinions. It takes no courage to confirm a widespread bias. Time paints her metamorphosis from a quote-unquote ordinary teenage girl to a globe-trotting activist. Curiously, the childhood that the article describes was hardly ordinary. Her mother is an opera star. One of her father's relatives won a Nobel Prize in chemistry. The relative's Nobel Prize biography lists among his work, quote, his theory of the importance of the CO2 content of the atmosphere for the climate, unquote. Particularly poignant is the story of how her father tried to convince her that her fears were unfounded and ended up converting himself. Davos, January 21st, 2020. Miss Thunberg played a return engagement to this conclave of world leaders in Switzerland, having spoken there in 2019. Her second Davos address scolded the participants for not paying sufficient attention. Like many teenagers scolding their parents, she resorted to sarcasm, quote, I've been warned that telling people to panic about the climate crisis is a very dangerous thing to do, but don't worry, it's fine. Trust me, I've done this before, and I can assure you it doesn't lead to anything, unquote. Then she spelled out her plan, quote, And let's be clear, we don't need a low-carbon economy. We don't need to lower emissions. Our emissions have to stop. Until we have the technologies, we must forget about net zero. We need real zero, unquote. Real zero means no carbon production at all. The electric generating plants shut down. Trains, cars, airplanes, and ships stop running. Furnaces no longer heat homes. Even the plants that produce windmills and solar power cells cease operation. Nothing else will allay Greta's righteous wrath. Nobel Prize nomination, February 3, 2020. Quote, Jens Holm and Hakan Sneveling, who are both members of Sweden's left party, said Monday that Thunberg has worked hard to make politicians open their eyes to the climate crisis and action for reducing our emissions and complying with the Paris agreements is therefore also an act of making peace, unquote. This sentence opens an Associated Press article about the young climate warrior. Indeed, the Nobel Peace Prize grants the world's prestige. First given in 1901, previous recipients include four U.S. presidents, Martin Luther King, and George Marshall, the U.S. general whose plan rebuilt Europe after World War II. It has always had a globalist slant. The 1904 winner, for instance, was the Institute of International Law. Its leftward inclination was perhaps best shown when President Obama won the prize on October the 9th, 2009, less than 10 months after he had assumed the presidency for his, quote, extraordinary efforts to strengthen international diplomacy and cooperation between peoples, unquote. Being nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize is not especially difficult. The list of qualified nominators is long, ranging from members of national assemblies to 
university professors, professors emeriti, and associate professors of history, social sciences, law, philosophy, theology, and religion. So the nomination of the current darling of the globalist environmental movement surprises no one. Nor will it be surprising if the five-member Norwegian Nobel Committee, its members nominated by the Norwegian Parliament, select her. Leftists and globalists have gone to great lengths to make teenage petulance sound like wisdom. There is no reason to think that this committee will act differently. The world will see more of the prescient Miss Thunberg. British government-owned BBC has announced that its, quote, Award-winning science unit announces a brand new series with Swedish environmental activist Greta Thunberg, unquote. In one respect, Greta Thunberg is typical of many of her contemporaries. Her many thousands of photos feature the same cold, unblinking stare. Perhaps it is a device of the photographers who think that it makes her appear more resolute. However, that look is full of cold emptiness. Any life of faith has gone unmentioned from her life. Without faith, all she has is a worldview that grows progressively bleaker. End of How Greta Thunberg Went from Unknown Teenager to Eco-Prophetess by Edwin Benson. In the next article, Bentley Hatchett II briefly explores the media manipulation of the young people who are presented as the face of the movement in his article, Why Teenagers Are Pawns in the Eco-Propaganda Machine. In the era of fake news, many people are no longer phased by the blatant attempts of the mainstream media to pass off radical left-wing talking points as facts. Indeed, according to a recent poll cited by The Hill, 72% of the American population believe that these outlets, quote, report news that they know to be fake, false, or purposely misleading, unquote. Despite this, legacy media has not slowed down their propaganda efforts. This is especially true of the climate change debate. Diatribes against the president's opinion on the climate crisis appear daily. The media make every effort to help this cause make headlines. One recent article, We the Youth Are Striking Out for the Climate This Friday, by Katie Elder stands out. Katie Elder is a 19-year-old ecological activist who claims that all American youth are simultaneously joining together in solidarity to battle climate change. She is organizing a network of nationwide school walkouts and protests. Her message is dramatic and emotional as she makes apocalyptic predictions. She even affirms that these same swaths of young people fully support Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's disastrous socialist Green New Deal. The undocumented article is nothing more than free, full-page publicity for her climate change protests, courtesy of CNN. Katie Elder is not alone in her activism. Naturally, this calls to mind the international media's newest superstar, Greta Thunberg, who has been traveling the globe carbonlessly with cameras in tail, warning the world of the coming ecological apocalypse. Both cases illustrate an important point. Climate change is not the result of genuine concern, but a product of a campaign by leftist institutions in politics and finance. How else could a 16-year-old with no profound message become an overnight celebrity? Or a 19-year-old activist have her event promoted by one of the world's largest media outlets? People will eventually have to raise the question as to how a movement which claims to be fighting the system is propped up by that very same system. Indeed, 
The media are not seeking out the engagement and enthusiasm of youth intent on bringing about social change. If that were the case, they would not ignore the hundreds of thousands of pro-life activists at home and abroad. Instead, the media show is part of an ecological propaganda effort, which was expertly exposed in a recent video by TFP Student Action and available through YouTube. The video, How to Destroy the Climate Change Hoax, shows how these teenagers are worked like pawns of the revolutionary green machine. End of Why Teenagers Are Pawns in the Echo Propaganda Machine by Bentley Hatchett Second. At this point, we broaden our focus to consider the process by which these young echo warriors were groomed in New Socialists Plus New Risks Equals Green New Deal by Edwin Benson. Many young people who espouse socialism never actually define it, much less examine it. Some might wonder where these youth got their strange ideas. The answer is that it reflects the ideology of modern education, which focuses on developing opinions rather than teaching facts. This educational mindset comes from John Dewey, often referred to as the father of progressive education. Professor Dewey taught that children would find their own reality through mental experimentation and developing opinions. Progressive educators favor these opinions over the accumulation of factual information. The effect of such thinking is summed up by Dr. Everett Piper's 2017 book, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Quote, The student riots of the 60s led to three major and harmful developments. One, the purpose of college became less about learning and more about flattering the self-righteousness of students. Two, the core curriculum of classics was gutted, replaced by more relevant topics like women's studies and various ethnic studies, all informed by cultural Marxism. And three, many of the campus radicals of the 1960s became tenured professors and transformed their academic departments in their image, unquote. The current crop of young socialist office holders is a product of this philosophy. Much media attention is focused on Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but there are many others like her in local, state, and national politics. In fairness, this intellectual laziness is not limited to the left. Many libertarian students also lack the ability to examine their pet theories critically. To begin, let us examine a program that young socialists point to as a success, all the while demanding significant changes to it. When the Guaranteed Student Loan Program was instituted, its backers said that their only function was to guarantee loans so that the poor could go to college. Banks and other private lenders would make the actual loans. However, these loans contribute to a radical increase in tuition and other charges. CNBC reports that tuition rose 163% since 1988. The Financial Aid Office helps students borrow all the money that they need to pay the increased tuition and fees. Most students are unfamiliar with credit and budgeting and happily sign the loan papers before heading off to the weekend's round of parties. Bureaucrats then consume the money. American Enterprise Institute's Mark J. Perry provides an example of how the program inflates budgets. The University of Michigan pays $10.6 million per year to fund its diversity office. Like many departments, it is filled with people who teach no one. In addition, university officials use more funds to add new buildings to make campuses more attractive but contribute little to education. The list of waste goes on. 
no one objects because nobody will have to pay for this abundance for years. The result is that graduates often carry $100,000 or more in debt before they even start looking for an entry-level job. Such a burden can take decades to pay off. The socialist solution is simple. Forgive the massive debts. That solution really means shifting the burden to taxpayers. Socialists argue that such forgiveness is a one-time necessity. The problem itself will be solved by their proposal to grant free tuition. Of course, that creates another injustice, taking money from taxpayers who earned it and distributing it to those who did not. If ever there was a feel-good proposal, it is the so-called Green New Deal. The document calls for, quote, plans to achieve net-zero greenhouse emissions, to create millions of good high-wage jobs, to invest in the infrastructure and industry of the United States to sustainably meet the challenge of the 21st century, and to promote justice and equity by stopping current, preventing future, and repairing historic oppressions of indigenous peoples, communities of color, migrant communities, and other communities, unquote. There are dozens of potential contradictions within these goals. Building infrastructure often creates greenhouse gas emissions. Developing sustainable industries will take time, far more than the 12 years that the climate change alarmists say that we have left. Repairing the historic oppression of indigenous peoples will conflict with private property rights. All of these things require budgets and planning. The Green New Deal's proponents should calculate the costs of their plans. This does not appear to have happened. All we get are assertions that the program will be successful and that it is worth whatever it will cost. Historically, socialist experiments like this have always not been worth the costs. Unfortunately, it is unlikely that facts, or even a noticeable lack of facts, will convert a socialist. On the January 6, 2019 episode of 60 Minutes, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez admitted far more than she realized when she said, quote, I think there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right, unquote. Such a standard of morality has nothing to do with any defined moral system. It is all about opinions and emotions. In his book, Democracy and Education, John Dewey stated, quote, we're all instructors to realize that the quality of mental process, not the production of correct answers, is the measure of educative growth, something hardly less than a revolution in teaching would be worked, unquote. Dr. Dewey did not understand that there is no way to objectively measure the quality of mental process. Like the supporters of the Green New Deal, he had no idea what his revolution would cost. Thanks to the legions of teachers who followed John Dewey's admonitions, opinion has replaced facts in many of the nation's elementary schools, high schools, and universities. The learning of fact is treated with disdain. The ability to formulate unsubstantiated opinions is rewarded. The currently budding crop of socialists shows the dangers of such a system to the nation. End of The Environment and the Young Thank you so much for listening. For additional articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service from which you acquired it. 
In that way, you can help return to order to be more effective. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.